A reading from the letter to the Ephesians, Rules for the New Life. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here ends the first lesson. The second reading is from John chapter 6, the bread of life. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Thanks be to God. I was going up to St. Martin's yesterday from Longport. And down at the bottom of Longport is a sign that says road closed. Quite explicitly, it says road closed. Only there's a gap, you see, between the sign and the rest of the road. Well, a bit further up, there's another sign that says road closed. And again, there's a gap between the sign and there's a bit of road that's still open. Beyond that, you can actually see the barriers where the road is closed. So you can't get up to where Spring Lane comes out onto the St. Martin's Hill. Well, I was really rather surprised, and so was another man who was walking down the road, when a car drives up to the first sign, takes no notice of it, it says road closed, drives on to the second sign, takes no notice of it at all, and then drives up to the barriers and then seems to be mystified that they can't get through. And this man on the pavement and myself, you know, we said, you know what? What is this about, really? Three signs that say road closed, and for some reason, the driver of the car seems to think that when he gets to the end, he'll be able to go through. So we were rather amused, and I must say a bit smug, when he started to turn round, of course, and had to come back again. But then I was thinking to myself, for me, some of these sayings in John's Gospel, the discourses, the rather longer sayings, uh, of meditation are a bit like that, you see, road closed. And don't you think that in a sense, Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, is a bit like the road being closed as to how we talk about Jesus to pe with people. Because what does it actually mean? I mean, if I said to you, what do you actually mean by saying, Jesus saying, I am the bread of life? Do you mean that you think that the life of Jesus will nourish you through your life? Is that what you mean by Jesus being the bread of life? And do you think it's significant that we get, I am the bread of life, we get, or I am the living bread. So we always get the I am before the bread bit. So that in one sense, Jesus's identity always goes with the bit that talks about being the bread. Because I want to suggest a rather shocking thing to you this morning, I think, which is that we separate out the I am and the bread of life and the living bread for the purposes of being able to communicate to people who are perhaps not in the Christian community. Because what we really need to dwell on here, I think, is not the mystery of Jesus's divinity and humanity, that is such a mystery. But what we need to do is we need to say to people that there is something here to do with the bread of life. But then something else really rather occurred to me. We, we've been having um, a bit of a discussion in the ministry team at St. Paul's. We don't normally use the Old Testament readings, you see. One or two of the ministry team would very much like to. And being a democratic sort of institution, we have this discussion at the ministry team. And I said, 
Well, I don't want the Old Testament readings. I think it's difficult enough, actually, trying to talk to people about Christianity as it is. And if somebody wanders into church and hears a, a load of stuff from, you know, ancient history, which is what quite a lot of it is, how is that going to help? Oh, no, no, I'm outvoted completely. So we are going to have the Old Testament readings. And I can see that there are times when they are very helpful. And I think actually, strangely enough, this morning's gospel, the Old Testament, is helpful to us because the people listening to Jesus about bread coming down from heaven would, of course, think to themselves of the story of Moses. So here we have something which is in the context of people being led from slavery to freedom. And that's something that we would all want to encourage. So if we can make that connection, perhaps we can say to ourselves, well, when Jesus talks about being the bread of life and the living bread, he is actually saying something to us about a movement from slavery to freedom. So that's what we have to bear in mind at the back of all this. So then we think to ourselves, well, how is this going to help us communicate what this means? And I thought to myself, well, let's start another way. You know, I don't think people like being told things particularly. And I, th I feel this is getting worse. People don't like being told that the bus doors won't open after the thing has started. People don't like being told that the road is closed. There seems to be rather a mood these days of, well, it doesn't apply to me and I don't care. And so I don't think we're going to get anywhere if we just try and tell people that Jesus is the bread of life. I don't think that'll work. I think we have to look at it the other way round. What are people hungry for? And what, how might the life and teachings of Jesus have something to say to that hunger? And how might that hunger be something to do with being brought from slavery to freedom? So then I began to think to myself, what are people hungry for? Well, of course, people are hungry for peace. People are hungry for justice. People are hungry for prosperity and fairness in the world and the way that the world works. So we're all hungry for things on a sort of global scale. But what about if we're trying to talk to people or with people, not talk to, but with people individually? Like, I was trying to have this conversation with the person about Jesus being angry. How are we going to talk to people individually about what Jesus was trying to say to us all? And then I began to think about what sort of things are people hungry for individually? Now, you might like to think about that. What sort of things are you hungry for in your day-to-day -day life as a member of the community in Canterbury or if you're a visitor, wherever you're from? What are you actually hungry for? I made a list of things that I thought to myself. Well, I'm quite hungry for truth. And as we hear a lot about fake news these days, and I'm really beginning to wonder, you know, can we please, what is truth? Well, that's a big question, of course. We could invite John to talk to us about that. But I am hungry for truth. I'm hungry for a sense of neighbourhood where I live, where there isn't one. And I was just coming down this morning and thinking when I get home I'll go out and pick up the bottles that people have just put down 
on the pathway as they came home last night. But I would like it not to be like that. I would, I'm hungry for a sense of neighbourhood. I'm hungry for compassion and not anger. I do wish people wouldn't be so angry. I do wish there wasn't so much bad language about and people getting all kind of aggressive, you know, very, very quickly. So I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for courtesy and I'm hungry for respect. I, would, I wish there was more. I can't help thinking about my dad, you know. My dad was such a, a gentle person. In fact, when he died, the people who wrote to my brother and I and said, your dad was a gentleman, and he was. And this idea that you sort of just let off straight away, quite foreign to the way that, that my family operated. I suppose I'm very lucky, really. But courtesy and respect. I'm hungry for an end to spitefulness. In fact, the things I'm hungry for are very much in the, the letter that we read this morning. And I'm not saying that I'm any good example of any of these things, but I actually would like to be, and I would like to live in a society where people are hungry for kindness and forgiveness. And most of all, I think, I'd like to stop feeling that I live in a society which is permanently in crisis, because that seems to be the way it feels. I'm hungry for wanting things to look positive and look as if they're going somewhere positive. And all of these things, I think, the truth, the compassion, the kindness, the respect, the patience, all these are things which, if only we could practice them in our daily lives, would perhaps have a knock-on effect. And we would find that this hunger is being satisfied because what makes people unkind? What makes people impatient? What makes people angry? What it really is, don't you think, is it's a sense of I'm not worth anything and I'm going to prove I'm worth something by driving past, driving past a sign that says road closed because that doesn't apply to me because I'm worth something. Now that might seem trivial to you but I think there are examples of this all over the place. And when we hear on the news about people who got really angry and who sometimes have done quite violent things because they said that person is not respecting me, what they're actually saying is, I don't have any respect for myself and I'm going to take it out on other people. And how does this happen? It happens because of the, the environments in which people grow. And so I think as a Christian community, we have a big responsible, responsibility when we hear Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, to try and spread the sort of environments where people will not grow into that kind of death-like attitude. Because that's what it is, isn't it? A moment's impatience, a moment's anger, a moment's punch at somebody, and you might end up in prison for how many years? Lives destroyed, children left without parents. And so we've got to somehow think to ourselves that Jesus being the bread of life is some way of satisfying this hunger by listening to his teaching. But there is one final thing that I think is, is a bit more complicated because you may say to me, well, I don't know what you're standing up there telling us that for. We're all trying to do this and I'm, I'm sure we are all trying to do this. And also, so are many people who don't have a faith. 
So are many people who don't see anything particularly significant in Jesus. After all, we don't, as, a, as Christian communities, have a monopoly, do we, on you know, being good people? So surely you've got something to say to us here in the middle of Christian worship, which is distinctive about the way that Jesus is the bread of life. And I think the answer is at the end of the reading where Jesus talked about his sacrifice. Because I think one of the issues that we are faced with is this idea that somehow life will be all the time happy, all the time good. You don't actually need to make any sacrifices and you can go along a little or be fine. And surely what the story of Jesus tells us and the bread of life tells us is that it comes at a cost. And I think that's something really important that is embedded in this message of Jesus as the bread of life. It comes at a cost. And that is something extra that we have to say to people. And we can say Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the living bread. And we can point to his teachings. And we can point to his actions. And we can point to his anger for justice and an end to hypocrisy. And we can point to his wish to show everybody that they have a place to be fulfilled. But we also have to say to them, because of the end part of, of Jesus' uh, ministry that we read about, that this comes at a cost. And in not being realistic about that cost, we ourselves are not being honest with people and they see through it, really. However much I think they might want to believe that you know everything can be achieved without anybody needing to, to have any kind of disappointment or suffering or challenge. And finally, I was struck by something I heard yesterday, no, the day before, on the Today programme, perhaps it was yesterday, where John Humphreys was having a discussion with Giles Fraser and uh, John Humphreys kept on saying, but, you know, I would like to believe all this stuff, but I really can't, you know, and I can't understand how you as an intelligent person and a philosopher can actually believe all this stuff. And, and I think Giles Fraser was trying to say, well, look, you know, never mind about having to believe X, Y, and Z. It's a different way of looking at life. And if, if you feel drawn to this different way of looking at life, that in a sense, that's the important thing. Which is why I said to you earlier on, and I say to myself, I'm not going to get all wrapped up with what the I am means and Jesus is divinity and humanity, because that's something we can go on thinking about and pondering about forever, really. What I really want to focus on is the bread of life and how does Jesus being the bread of life actually do something about the hunger that I feel for these various things. And at the end of that piece of uh, interview, John Humphreys said to Giles Fraser, well, what about suffering then? Uh, and they actually, you know, how can I believe in a God when such dreadful things happen? And I think this is relevant to what we've just been thinking about, about everything coming at a price. Because they then played uh, a very short extract of Rowan Williams when he was Archbishop being asked by John Humphreys in the wake of some terrible, terrible event where quite a few innocent children had died and John Humphreys said to uh, Archbishop Rowan, well, you know, where is God in all of that? Now, you see, 
it would be very easy to be glib, wouldn't it, and to say, well, it's free will. Well, they've gone to heaven. You know, well, it's inscrutable. We don't know the answer. Um, but Archbishop Rowan paused. He did this on the radio. It caused quite a lot of alarm, I think, because people don't like pauses on the radio. He paused. And he was obviously very moved. And he said, God is where God has always been, there with the suffering. There with the suffering. Now, you may not be convinced by that. You may be convinced by it. You may think it, that's a cop-out as well. But that's what he said. And it was a very moving end to the interview. And I think that the, the living bread, the bread of life, because if it's life that we are concerned about in its fullness for everybody, then we of Christians are shown by this morning's reading that we have a responsibility not to go out and wag our finger at people, but to actually say to them, what are you hungry for? And let's see whether we can't find something in the Christian story that will help with that. It may challenge, it may disturb, it may not be easy, but we believe that there is something in this that is vitally important if individuals and the world is to be led from slavery to freedom.